Good morning, Oak Hills Crown Ridge. How about an applause for our worship team? All of our family and friends on, online, uh, we welcome you. My brother Damon watching in uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I love you, brother. How about before we get started, everybody on the count of three, say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's. One, two, three. Merry Christmas Happy New Year's. Amen. Now that we got that out of the way, you know it's December 26th. No more Santa Claus, no more ho, ho, ho. We got to look forward to is that credit card bill coming in. <laughs> Anybody get a good present like a brand new car? Anybody a Hummer or something? No? Just wanted to ask that. You know, you can find anything on the internet. Some things you shouldn't find on the internet, but that's another story. I found this. Somebody sent it to me. You know, everybody gets these links. Um, now, I have a problem with this picture. Why is my head so big? And look at Max. This is a picture, supposedly, of the world's oldest living triplets, by the way. Look at Max's ears. I don't know if they're in there in real life or if that's just the, you know, the poor baby that they put his head on. But uh, and I thought Randy was free of this, but look how big his feet are. And mom, Randy's touching me. Why is he even touching me? You know, I wonder, and some women probably wonder about this more than men do, uh, on, on uh, why don't they ever grow up? You know, you, you, any women out there tell their husbands, just grow up. You know, that it's time to mature. You're 35 years old or 40 years old or however you might be. It's almost an eternal thing. They made up that slogan. I didn't make it up. They said uh, the, the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. Yeah, that's bad. I hope that's not true. I would hope that in Christ, we can grow up into Christ. Does that make sense? But I would hope that maybe in order to mature, we have to have the out right outlook of Jesus in the first place. You know, um, I think the problem is that we still see Jesus as the baby in the manger. You know, the evidence for a savior I see are, is threefold. And the first common one that we know is the sign of the empty grave. But there was more than that. There's not only an empty grave, there's an empty cross and an empty manger. Does that make sense? See, the problem is we don't see them as empty. And we go to the, to, to the first part and we look at the manger and we say it's so pretty. And we get on all these other folks who on their cross still have Jesus affixed to it. But yet we fail to realize in every one of our nativity scenes, we still have the baby lying there. And he's not there. He's gone. He's not in the manger, he's not in the cross, and he's certainly not in the grave. Don't we sing that song, we serve a risen Savior, he's everything to me? We have to grow up into Christ. We have to mature. I would hope that this year we can find our purpose and our high calling in Jesus. I want to be able to tell you this morning that you know what, that the proof of the resurrection of Jesus and the Lord as Savior is so mighty and important because not only did Jesus grow up into his high calling and purpose, but he wants us to grow into our high calling and purpose as well. It's 2011. It's right around the corner. Some of us have been sitting in this building for decades. Well, maybe not in this building, but you know what I mean. And I wonder, is it time for us to mature, to get going. To see, Heather put it this way from the first service. She said, Miguel, that was great. Out of the crib and off the cross. 
You know, I wonder if some of us are still big babies. We're still lying there. And worse, we made Jesus scoot over and we think he's lying there with us. And his manger is empty and our crib should be empty. It's time to step into our purpose and our calling. It's time to reach out to our family and our friends and our neighbors. That's a plug for the strategy, Randy. So that we can save a lost world. So that we can make a change. Look at our text this morning. As we take the baby from manger to savior, we're looking in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 12. And now this is interesting. We're going to see three things this morning as we look at and see how to get the, the, the baby uh, out of the crib and off of the cross. But look at this. As we read the passage, it says like this. But an angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And I like that last part. But don't be confused. Verse 12 is not prophecy. It's a sign of the fulfillment of prophecy that was mentioned in verses 10 and 11. Notice there in verse 12. It says, this is a sign. See, the sign of the fulfillment of prophecy of Jesus preaching the good news and being the Savior on the cross is the fact that they went and saw a baby lying in the manger. The baby lying in the manger is not the fulfillment of prophecy. It's a sign that the prophecy will be fulfilled. Does that make sense? Too many of us, we overemphasize the baby. And we need to look at him being raised. We need to look at what his purpose is. And further along with that, what our purpose is, is we look to Jesus. Are you ready for this this morning? Have good news. Anybody ever received bad news? Like when the police come to your door? They did this to my mother a couple of times growing up. Uh, is this your son? And my mom would say, no. That <laughs> was always a long night. Or how about uh, your first child? Not first child, first pregnancy. You find out that it's twins, but then there's some complications, and you go to the emergency room, and the doctor comes out and says, I'm sorry, they're not going to make it. How about when the doctor comes out, and you go in for a routine check, and he comes out and he says, you have some kind of cancer. Jesus turns all bad news into good news. Because the story of Christ begins as bad news. People are searching for him to kill him. But yet, the angel begins, and he doesn't talk about bad news. He talks about good news. Notice what it says in verse 10 again. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Why would you be afraid if it's supposed to be good news? Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of what? What's the first characteristic of good news? You see it there? It brings what? Great joy. Not just joy. Great joy. Here's the second part. That is great joy for who? Everybody. You know, good news isn't good news unless everybody can rejoice. Good news isn't good news if only half of the people get excited. Good news is only good news if we all get excited, and that is for everyone. You ever go into the class and hope there's not going to be a test? And your teacher says, there's no test today except for the following people. That's not good news. 
I want no test for everyone. Look at this. Two things about good news, and Jesus preached it over and over again. The first place I find is in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when we're speaking about the good news of the gospel of Christ. It, it, it says this in verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. And I don't know about you, but those things listed there does not sound like good news. People who are poor, people who are locked up, people who are prisoners, people who can't see, people who have been oppressed. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt like there's a weight down on you and you can't get out from underneath it? My Bible says that Jesus has good news for us. My Bible says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, that it was for freedom that Christ set us free. We serve a risen Savior, and the good news about a risen Savior is the first part of the good news is, is that he sets us free. That he wants all of us to be free. But there's a second part to that. Look forward, is, is if you're still in the book of Luke, look to Luke chapter 7, verse 22. The good news sets us free, but here's the second part. Listen to this. In, in verse 22, he says, so he replied to the messengers. Now, this is a story. Remember, John the Baptist was supposed to herald on his cousin. Now, he, he's been arrested. He, 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 he's in prison. He's about to, you know... <laughs> Get his head chopped off. I don't know if that sounds like a guillotine or a duck, but that's my sound effects. The AV department should have helped me out there, but they didn't. And he sent his messengers to ask Jesus, are you the one? Because I've built this whole thing up. The whole, all of my life and the purpose of my life has arrived to this one point right here, and I want to make sure I'm there. I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that when I come to the end of my life, that I'm sure that what I did was not only pleasing to the Lord, but fulfilled my purpose. Does that make sense? I would hope we all want to check ourselves. Like in Saving Private Ryan, remember that at the end of the movie, and there, he's before the grave, and he asked his wife and his family, was it, was it really worth it? I want to make sure when I got to get to the end that it was worth it. I got an email the other day. It said too many people want to, want to eat tofu and soy and all this stuff so that when they die, they can go into heaven with the most healthy bodies possible. And I think that's wrong. God is going to give us a new body. You know, I want to like do a burnout and a slide in there, just barely making it with every organ worn out and busted up and about to die and say, whoo, I made it. I don't want to save all of this. It's not to be saved. It's to spend. I don't want good health. I want to wear out for Jesus. <laughs> Look at this, verse 22. Look, look at what John the Baptist asks. Jesus replies to this after he asks, are you the one? Jesus sends his messengers and he says this, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. Almost did it backwards. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. You know what's so amazing about this? First, we saw that the good news it sets us free. The second part is the good news is life-altering. If you hear the good news, you will never be the same. Maybe there's some people here for the first time that are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ, and you're trapped in some of these things. God not only can free you from them, he can totally change you. Life-altering. And I know. 
because I was, I'm an ex-drug addict from Los Angeles, California, now preaching for Oak Hills Church in San Antonio, Texas. God has a purpose for all of us. You say he doesn't make miracles. He got me here. Look at this. The good news is for us, Peter says. First Peter chapter 1, verse 12. He, he talks about how, how, how the good news that was preached wasn't for them, but it was for us. Too many times we live in the gospel and we say, man, how it would have been to walk with Jesus, how it would have been to see the apostles, how it would have been to see the miracles. It's not for them. All those things were said for us. We have the advantage. They tried to look forward without knowing what was coming. We have the advantage. We can look back and see the whole thing. We are the ones that are blessed, and we need to use our blessings for our full benefits because we serve a risen Savior. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 of our text says, again, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Notice there that when we begin talking about the Savior, that is not talking about a baby lying in the manger. Too many times we look at the story and we look at the Gospels and we say, somebody made a mistake because, you know what, we don't know anything about the, about the infancy and the childhood of Jesus. What do we need to know anything about that for? That's not what's important. In this story, it doesn't matter how he began, it matters how he ends. Does that make sense? John chapter 19, verse 30, what does Jesus say? Hanging on the cross. He, he gets to his final sign and he says, it is finished. The first sign that the Savior came was that there will be a baby lying in the manger, but it doesn't end there. The last sign is that he completed his purpose and the high calling that God had for his life. And that he was able to look at it and say, for God, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It is finished. And I think that's important for us. That's important for us to see the transition of what a Savior is. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. And I don't know if he has a tattoo or not, but it says, Down his side and on his thigh, says, King of kings and Lord of lords. Not baby in a manger. We've got to get off this baby thing. You know, everybody thinks babies are beautiful. I, I, I have a baby story. It's not that pretty. The first child that I had that was, that was born is my daughter Desiree. She's back there. You can see her now. She's actually pretty. Uh, my, now, my theory is that if you're born ugly, that, that you, you end up pretty. And if you're born pretty, you end up ugly. So that just, you know, now you know what kind of person baby I was. Look. Because I'm good looking now. No. The, when Desi was born, the, the, she was my first child. I had no idea except for what I saw on the movies. And what I saw was they're supposed to say, you have a healthy, beautiful baby girl. They said neither of those things. I don't know why. I questioned her health. I knew why they didn't say she was beautiful. <laughs> she was stuck in the birthing canal, I don't lie, 28 hours. From the time the water broke to we had a baby, 28 hours. Now, I want to tell you my mistake. And men, if you don't have children yet, stand on the opposite side. Stand on the head where your wife is with the head side. I made the mistake the first time, and nobody told me. I think they were laughing. <laughs> Look at where he's standing. I stood on the doctor's side. Not a good idea. She came out slimy, covered in goo, and her head was shaped like an eight. 
And I was scared. I looked at her and I said, Doctor, no, cut the ugly head off. <laughs> Mr. Ferrio, that's all right. That'll go away. I said, if it doesn't, get your torch out. Because <laughs> I don't want to keep the ugly head. I don't know if Jesus was a pretty baby or not, but we can't overemphasize the fact that he was a baby. What we need to emphasize is that he's our savior. Look at what it says. Luke chapter 1, 32 and 33, it says there the first part of him being the savior is that he sits on the throne of David, that he's king. The savior had to be king. It says here, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob. What? Forever. And his kingdom will never end. Not only is he king, but notice this. I think the most pivotal part of all scripture, the best stories, in my opinion, is the one of the woman at the well. She shouldn't have been talking to Jesus in the first place or vice versa. She gets to the point after her conversation that she realized maybe this guy's some kind of prophet and Jesus confirms and says, yes, I am. Now she gets ready to run back to tell all her neighbors, family and friends, everything that the Lord has said. They believe her and they start on their way back so they can hear the message of the good news that the Savior brings. And listen, John 4, 42, listen their response. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the baby in the manger. No. That this man really is what? Savior of the world. And I like this because we don't have a corner on the Savior. This good news is for who? Everybody. He's the Savior of all people. Every race, every creed, every color, it doesn't matter who you are, Jesus wants to save you. And that to me is good news. Not only that, remember the first gospel message ever preached? Peter and the apostles. Peter usually is the one standing up first. He's the first on every list where the apostles are listed. Look at what he says. Luke chapter 9 verse 20. In order to be savior, you got to be king. In order to be savior, you have to be the savior of all people of the world. In Luke 9, 20, we get this aspect of it from our text. Now, how many of you worry sometimes about what other people say? Maybe in your workplace or their neighbors, you know, those third people, the they people. You know, we get that a lot of ministry. They say your sermons are too long. Oh yeah, who are the they? Jesus wanted to know some of those things. Who are the they? Who do they, third person, say that I am? Some people say a prophet. Some people say Elijah. But it doesn't really matter what they say. He gets to the first person and he asks the apostles, who do you say that I am? Notice what Peter's quick to respond. He usually gets it wrong. This time he got it right. Luke 9, 20 says, what about you, he asks. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ, baby in the manger? No, the Christ of God. See, Peter knew his person. Peter grew and lived with him. Three and a half years, he ministered with him. And he heard his messages, and Peter knew that he wasn't just the baby in the manger, that he was the savior of the world. And I think that's important for us. 
How do we see the good news? How do we see the Savior? And lastly, if Jesus is going to go from baby to manger, and we ourselves are going to go from baby to mature, we have to be able to have the right perspective on the baby that's in the manger. Notice in verse 12 of our text, he says this, this will be a sign to you. Notice that I like that word because when he talks about the, the prophecy is actually finished. The prophecy is that the, that the Savior's coming and that he has good news. That's all we need to know. The proof of the prophecy is that they're going to go to a manger and they're going to see a baby lying there. Notice what it says. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. But that baby was going to grow. The manger was going to be empty. The cross was going to be empty. And when they went to the tomb on the third day, guess what? It was empty too. And I wonder when we talk about ourselves and how we're growing up into Christ, is our crib empty? Are we willing to give ourselves a sacrifice? To die for our friends, our families, our neighbors. I, I wonder this by raising a hand. Who feels that their life has a bigger purpose? Who feels that, you know what, I have felt in my life that God is calling me. That it's just not about work or job or children or a husband. That there's something bigger. That God has a purpose for me and that he wants to do something in me. I'm just not sure what it is. I don't know about you, but I think that. I think God has something for me. I, I, I know better yet, not only does he have something for me, he has a purpose for each and every one of us here. And in order to reach that purpose, we have to get Jesus out of the manger, and we've got to get out from the crib next to him. We've got to run in Christ. We've got to fight the good fight. That's what Paul said, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Almost sounds like Jesus saying, it is finished. I have run the race, I fought the fight, and now is in store for me. What? of righteousness. Psalms chapter 139 verse 14 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made and I wonder because through there I see that each and every one of us is unique. That God made us for a special purpose. And I don't know about you, but it's 2011. I want to reach that purpose in Christ. I don't want to wait any longer. This year I'll be 45. And people go, oh, that's not that old. Yeah. A moving years is old, because at 60, I ain't going to be running. I used to be able to leave Monterey, Mexico on my 1969 Volkswagen Bug, drive 30 hours to Los Angeles nonstop. I can't even leave San Antonio now without stopping at Kerrville to use the restrooms. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's hard getting old. If God has something for my life, he needs to do it in these next few years. Where are you in reaching your call? Where are you in God using you? Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, that when I was a child, I talked as a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I left Xbox behind. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. If you're over 18 and use the Xbox or is 360 or Wii, you're, you're 
Grow up. No wonder your wife's always mad at you. <laughs> Empty the trash. Fix the house. There's caulking on the tub. There's something for you to do then. The only reason I don't got one of them things is I'm not good at games. Or I'd be bing, bing, bing. It's time to grow up. Grow up. We finish and we want to invite the, the elders to come up and the prayer ministers and the band to get ready to receive us. Hebrews 5, 13 and 14 say this. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not equated with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish between good and evil. Brothers, I wonder this. I wonder if you're ready. Are you ready to see an empty manger, an empty grave, and an empty cross? Are you ready to see Jesus, the resurrected Savior, at the right hand of God? cheering us on and saying, come, good and faithful servant. Maybe you have been in, here for years, decades. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, but you have just never really got past that point to be mature, to be grown, to find your purpose. What does God have for me? You're just the ones that God is talking to today. God wants you to find that purpose. Because we as Oak Hill Church have a big strategy ahead because we're gonna reach every neighborhood for the cause of Christ. And we're doing it now. So I invite you.